0: You're listening to the Living Word Church Podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Today's message comes from our lead pastor, Doug Jansen. One of the reasons that Paul wrote Colossians was so that the people wouldn't get fooled, that they wouldn't get tricked by something that wasn't true. And I think about times in my life, I like to prank people. I like to have some fun and do some, uh, some pranks on different people. And I remember being a kid. And does anybody remember these phones right here, like the corded phones back in the day? And in our house, in the Jansen household, we had invested in like a 100-foot cord so that I could have a little privacy and my sister could have a little privacy. You could take this thing, stretch it through the whole house, up the stairs, into my room. And it was great, too, because I could clothesline my sister when she was walking by at necessary times. But uh, the thing about this was there was no caller ID speak right? So you had no clue what number was coming in. You didn't know who was calling you. It could have been your boss, your parent, your girlfriend. It could have been anybody. But then that also meant that, of course, you're talking to telemarketers, right? There was no screening really back in the day. And so you'd answer the phone and you talk with telemarketers all the time. And they would always hear my voice. and know I was younger as like a young teen and say, can I talk to your parents? And and I just got tired of it. And so one day I was like, yeah, yeah, let me get my mom. And I came back on the phone and I was like, hello, you know, and and just (laughs) right away I heard in the, the, the voice of the person on the other side like they're not buying this you know so the the lady was like okay Mrs. Jensen you know she's like can I interest you in some Tupperware and so we went back and forth and back and forth and eventually it just got to the point where the two of us thought it was so ridiculous that we're both hysterically laughing and I just hung up the phone so she didn't fall for it and that's why Paul wrote Colossians that we wouldn't fall for it that we wouldn't fall for things that aren't truth and we're going to look at some specifics here today but let's remember where we've been. So in week one we talked about prayer. We said in 2023, let's get serious about prayer and let's pray these themes, God, your will, be known and done And I' hope you've been praying that. I hope that started to really fill your prayer life. Yes, keep praying for healing and provision and direction. but how powerful it is to say, God, would your will be known and would your will be done. Pray that over your family, your friends, neighbors, people who do and don't know Jesus. It's a powerful thing to pray. Then in week two, my wife Kelly did an amazing job talking about Jesus and saying that he is preeminent and supreme and above all. And when we're walking through stuff, hold fast to Jesus. Last week, we looked at some lies. We looked at some lies that try to fill our minds. God's abandoned you and you're suffering. You're alone. Somebody besides Jesus has the answers. Maybe just allow culture to kind of start to infiltrate your heart. And we begin to say, all right, when that happens, when lies assault your mind cling to the truth, right? We're going to keep on holding to what we know to be true. Today, we're going to get into some big stuff here. Paul's got some big themes for us. And so I need you with me, okay? I need you kind of talking with me throughout this message today. So everybody say legalism. That's one of the things we're going to look at today. Everybody say what I can do versus what Jesus has done. And that's really the heart behind legalism. We're going to see what that all has to do to impact us today. Another thing we're going to look at is mysticism and false teaching. Everybody say mysticism. Say false teaching. People sometimes when they're into mysticism or spiritualism, they think they're spiritual or they think they're on a path, but it's like, but who are you following? Like I'm just spiritual, but who are you following? We're going to talk about how Jesus needs to be the answer to that question and also sometimes with mysticism and spiritualism people can just begin to think like I know more than everybody. I've had this experience with God that is, 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 is the end all be all. It's more important than scripture. It's more important than my uh, relationships with others and we begin to think that we are, are, are better than or above other people who might Also be trying to pursue a relationship with God. And false teaching is all within mysticism. And we're going to talk about some of the rabbit holes we can fall in, you know. Like all around us are little traps for us to fall into that would greatly negatively impact our faith. So I want to give you some specific ones. I want to give you some warning signs of what to look for. And so that you'll you'll not fall into some of those rabbit holes. Another thing we're going to look at today is the true freedom that Jesus wants us to have. Everybody say outward restriction versus inward transformation. We're going to see that here this morning as well. And today has the potential to cause some really beautiful things to happen. Uh, for, for, for you and I to rest in the love of Jesus instead of trying to perform, perform, perform. It has the ability for, for us to actually follow Jesus instead of just something or, or some force or some being or like, like a personal relationship as opposed to uh, just spiritualism or mysticism. And it also, I pray that there'll just be a humility about us. Man, Christians should be the most humble people in the whole world. We dare not look down on anybody. We have to be so careful. And Paul's going to help us with that here today. And also, just walking in the freedom that Jesus has for us, right? Because we struggle with sin sometimes, don't we? I'm a saved person. I'm a new person, but I still sin, don't I? And so how do we actually walk in the freedom that Jesus has purchased for us? So that's where we're going to head today. And I hope that you're encouraged. I hope you're challenged. I hope you're ready for truth and that we're hungry for this today. So if you're ready, say, I'm ready." ready. All right, cool. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this is so important for you as well. Because I would guess maybe you've been trying to perform your way into a relationship with God, or maybe you've been thinking I'm going to be spiritual, but you don't really know what that means. What does it mean to follow someone as opposed to just be spiritual? And I think you probably long for some of the freedom we're going to talk about here today. So everybody say Colossians. So we're in part four. We're going to continue to look in. We're going to pick up on the verse we left off on last week. And verse 16 in Colossians 2 says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. Everybody say legalism. So this is what we're talking about here. And this seems strange to us because I guarantee you no one has ever said, you know what the problem with you is? You're, you're not celebrating the new moon celebration, right? Like, like that's never happened in your life before. So it's kind of like, what does this mean? Well, Paul is talking about these false teachers who are trying to get people to basically save themselves. If they do these things, if they celebrate these religious festivals, if they go to those celebrations and and their offering is right and their, their repentance is right and all these different things are right, then maybe they can save themselves. And every single thing Paul brings up in verse 16 are rules of Judaism. And so Paul is here saying, you're hearing that you can save yourself if you do these things, but you can't save yourself. That's legalism. Paul's saying that's not how it works. Warren Wiersbe says this, you can read it with me. Sad to say, there are many Christians who actually believe that some person, religious system, or discipline can add something to their spiritual experience. Listen to this, everybody. You ready? But they already have everything they ever will need in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Amen? It's all there. It's all already in him. And so then Paul goes on and he starts to talk about the difference between those Old Testament ways and Jesus here in new times. And so it says in Colossians 2.17, these are a shadow. He's talking about the Jew- Jewish laws and the rules and the things that people were trying to keep to save themselves. Those are a shadow of things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. He's saying all that stuff back in the Old Testament was important, it served a purpose, but it was just a shadow of the real thing. I think we'd all agree that shadows and real people, they're very different things, aren't they? I, I've mentioned this before. Some of you guys like when I tell old stories. You're like, oh, Doug, that was great. I, I'd heard that story before, but, but it was great to hear it again because it means I've just been around for a long time. I'm like, sweet, I'm so glad you're around. and You like to hear me say the same thing twice. Cool, how great is that? But years ago, I talked about how one night I'm laying in bed and all of a sudden my wife's tapping me on the shoulder. She's going, someone's in the house, someone's in the house. I jump up out of bed, my blood just flowing, right? I turn around and there's a person standing in our bedroom. I go running at them and they get bigger as I get running because it was my own shadow I was running running at there was no person there right and I think in the same way we would say well yeah there's a big difference between a shadow and a real person but a shadow kind of lets us know something else is coming right and this is exactly what Paul is saying here he's saying like those rules those offerings those priesthoods those kings of the old testament they're not meaningless or useless but they were trying to show us something better was coming And Samuel Johnson helps us get our minds around this. He says, The offerings were reflections of the one genuine saving offering at the cross. The priesthood was a foreshadowing of the priestly ministry of Christ. And the kings of Israel faintly suggested the coming King of kings and Lord of lords. And so the Old Testament system was important. It had its purpose and its place, but it was all announcing the arrival of the Savior, of Jesus, who would come to rescue you and I. So Paul is talking about this battle of what I can do versus what Jesus has done. Everybody say what I can do. Versus what Jesus has done. I cannot save myself. Jesus has completely saved me. There's nothing I can do to add to that. There's nothing I can do to make that better. It's what I can do versus what Jesus has done. Some of us here in the room are getting a little bit nervous, like, all right, so Doug, then are you saying there's no right and wrong? Like I got kids in the room. Please don't say there's no right and wrong. There is right and wrong. But How do we approach right and wrong? Well, that's what we're going to continue to see here as we go. I'm not saying there's not right and wrong. I'm just saying there's nothing we can do to add to our salvation. That's called legalism. And the Colossians um, were struggling with this because this is what was going on in their culture around them. The people were getting off track and they were believing lies and we have to be so careful not to get tricked. He goes on. He's talked about legalism. He's going to switch gears a little bit. In Colossians 2.18, he says, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They're puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. Everybody say mysticism. Say false teaching. Okay, so this is where Paul is headed now. Now, before I get into mysticism, I have to just clarify something. Within Christianity, there are people who pursue supernatural connections to God. And and I would even say that there are some legitimate people who would say, I just want to experience God. We have to experience God, everybody. It's huge. It changes everything. You see an answered prayer. You see God show up and provide or direct or lead. And sometimes within Christianity, legitimate Christians, even Paul could have been labeled a mystic in that sense in that he wanted to experience God and see miracles. Now that's different than mysticism, which is what I'm talking about here today legalism had its roots in, in the Jewish, Jewish laws, but mysticism had its roots in paganism and something called Gnosticism. And the reason this all matters for us today is because just like Paul was writing to the Colossians that certain people were trying to lead them astray and get them distracted with things that would only lead them to rabbit holes and get them in really bad places, the same is true for us today. Maybe it's not called mysticism in the same way, but that same idea of like, I just want to be spiritual. Yeah, but who are you following? Who do you know? Do you know Jesus or are you just spiritual, right? There's a huge difference. Or uh, m- m- the mystics were often known and the, and the Gnostics were known to be very um, arrogant. They, they thought they knew everything. In fact, a, part, a really dangerous part of Gnosticism is that they believed that only what was done in the spirit mattered. So if you did something in, with your body, it didn't matter. Like imagine that world. Imagine living in that world. I just murdered someone. But it doesn't matter. I did that with the body. What matters is the spirit. Like you see how scary this stuff can become, right? How deadly a little tweak can become. And the mystics believed, or the Gnostics believed, that they uh, had these experiences with God that were more important than Scripture, more important than what anybody else or any, any, anybody else had experienced or anybody else had to say. And so there was this arrogance about them. They, they because of these experiences, uh, gnosis, Gnostic means to know. Well, I, I know this, and because I know this, I am better than you wow, how we have to guard our hearts from this stuff, how we have to guard our hearts from false teachings because that's where the people really found themselves in the midst of it. And Paul says something strong to him. Are you ready for this? He says, they, or these people who have fallen into this, they have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. What is Paul talking about? He's saying that when we get into legalism and mysticism and false teaching, we lose connection with the head. Well, who's the head? Well, we know in the Bible, Jesus says, I'm the head. You guys are the body. I'm the head. So sometimes we lose connection with Jesus when we fall into this stuff. And sometimes we lose connection with the body who is the people of God, right? Us gathered, us doing life together. And so sometimes we lose connection to the power of God because we disconnect with Jesus and sometimes we lose connection with the people of God. And I see it all the time everybody. We have to guard ourselves against this. What do we do when we disconnect from the power of Jesus? We we disconnect from the head. I'll tell you exactly what you and I should do in those moments. I'm going to act it out for you. We literally get down on our knees. I'm not joking. We get down on our knees and say, Jesus, I've been trying to do this myself. Legalism through spiritualism, through just trying to add to my own abilities, just an arrogance that I know better than someone else, or that my experience trumps the scripture or trumps other people's experiences, we have to get down on our knees right here. So you hear me quote a guy named John Contest a lot. He's a, somebody that a lot of us know. He's a teacher at a school many of us went to. And um, years ago, I had him speak at the church, and it was more of an interview. I kind of just asked him questions, and he responded with different answers. And, and I heard him tell a story, and I said, can you tell that grocery story? And so he tells this story about how one day, He was talking with someone and had given some advice. And John's a really wise person. Many of us in the room call this guy like, hey, man, here's what I'm going through. Just pray for me. Encourage me. And he's got a lot of wisdom. And so he had made the statement that he wanted to make. And then the person he was giving the advice to said back to him, you are the wisest person on earth, right? And he laughed it off because he's like just a humble guy. But he said later that day, he's unpacking the groceries out of his car. And you know how our minds work, right? Sometimes we buy our own press, don't we? And all of a sudden, this thought hit his head, I am the wisest person on earth. And literally, he put the groceries down on, the, on his sidewalk, and he got on his knees on his sidewalk, right in front of his neighbors, didn't care who was watching, just said, God, I'm in, I'm in me right now. I'm not connected to you. We have to be so careful when we begin to see that either through legalism or spiritualism or any of that, we think that we're accomplishing something in our own strength or flesh or ability. we have to humble ourselves i've adopted this practice that john and from time to time if you just see me randomly hit a knee uh it's i may have tripped but but often it's because i just had a real stupid thought and i disconnected from jesus and i got arrogant in myself or i thought something of myself that is not of him and i I don't care if i'm in my backyard i don't care if i'm walking down the sidewalk but i'll i'll do that not in a legalistic ritualistic way but i I need to humble my heart before God because just like anybody else, I can be led astray and we have to be so careful. And so I encourage you, if you find yourself saying, I can add to what Jesus has done or I'm my hope or I'm better than so-and-so, literally get on your knees because you need to be reconnected to the head, reconnected to Jesus. I hope this is challenging you today. I hope this is encouraging you today. This is important, important stuff, especially in our day in age. So what do we do when we get disconnected from the people of God? Why do we get disconnected from the people of God? Paul says these people were disconnected from the head and the body, from Jesus and his people. I think a couple reasons. One is because of offense. We've been offended and we've been hurt by something. And so we disconnect from the people of God. Church, listen to me. What we do here is not just cute. Sometimes I think we think it's cute. I'll go, I'll go and I'll sing and I'll give a little and I'll give some of my time and maybe I'll get encouraged and maybe like like that's the attitude we have guys what we do here preserves our relationship with God this is so important I need to be here I need to have my heart recentered on the Lord I need prayer I need fellowship and friendship I need to hear if I'm off base This is why we need each other. Church is not just cute. It's how we become more like Jesus. It's how he sanctifies us and draws us into the people that he's calling us to be. And often that includes the disagreements and the offenses, doesn't it? So we have to be so careful and say, God, reconnect me to your people, because right now I'm disconnected either from you or your body. The other thing, and this is huge, okay? The other thing that gets us disconnected from the people of God are what I want to call rabbit holes that we fall into. It's when we start to go on YouTube a little bit too much and find some weird people out there who think some weird stuff about God, and we find ourselves in a rabbit hole. Now, some of you guys are saying, Doug, don't you mean a rabbit trail? I just wanna let you know so that you're not confused and upset for the rest of the service that those are two different things. A rabbit trail is when you get off topic. A rabbit hole is when you find yourself running into something dangerous that ends up harming you, okay, so I hope you enjoyed my rabbit trail about rabbit holes. What are a rabbit holes? What are some examples, Doug? What are you talking about? What am I trying to protect myself from falling into so that my relationship with Jesus stays strong? I'll tell you right now, one of them. Everybody listen up. Everybody get ready to find some channels on your YouTube feed or whatever you're following and unsubscribe. Listen to me. Exact dates and times of Jesus' return. Unsubscribe. Please. It just happens so often that we get caught up in this stuff, and suddenly it's that thing, and this date, and that person, and that world leader. and everything. I mean, they've been saying this since the first century. Jesus' followers thought Jesus was coming back, right? How many times have we been wrong? Well, Hitler was the Antichrist, and then it was this person who was the Antichrist. And then, like, we just have to be so careful, be ready to unsubscribe. It's a rabbit hole. Another thing our new revelations. Listen. And I pray that this is coming out of me in humility, because like I said, I can can get deceived just like anybody else can, okay? But new revelations, when someone has this new revelation that disagrees with or is added to thousands of years of solid Christian theology, that's a rabbit hole. We have to be so incredibly careful. Listen, there are things that will be debated in a good way until Jesus returns, which we don't know the day or hour, by the way. But be, there are good things like free will and predestination. That is a biblical debate. Go for it. Please don't waste a lot of time on it. We got a lot to do. Don't let it divide you. Don't let it come between you and somebody else. But go for it, okay? Uh, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, beans and ribs, like, like all those different debates and struggles, go for it, Okay? But don't let it distract you. We have so much to do, right? The the time is short. If Jesus is really coming back and he is, then can we do something instead of get all distracted? But those are at least biblical debates, right? Let me give you some things that you can find on YouTube right now that we have to guard our hearts against. Number one, you are sinless. That's out there. You are sinless. Oh no, you're new right? You're a new you. In fact, Paul's going to tell us that in the next chapter. We're new, we're different, but we're not sinless. We always need the grace and the mercy of Jesus. Uh, This is a big one. You ready for this one? I hate this one. Follow your heart. Follow your heart, right? Man, there's a song on YouTube that I would actually um, show you right now if it wouldn't shut down our stream. You need to Google later um, on YouTube or search on YouTube for um, my stupid heart, okay? Search that song. There's there's like a six-year-old and his brothers that sing it and play it, and it's the cutest, most amazing thing you'll ever see. But it's so true because the whole thing is about our stupid heart and how easily we can be tricked. And the Bible even tells us our heart is deceitful above all things, right? So no, don't follow your heart your heart's going to lead you somewhere terrible. Don't follow your heart. This is why we need to come under what God says. This is why we need each other, because my heart will lead me astray. And so I need Christian brothers and sisters who look at me and go, Doug, that's your heart. Don't be deceived right now. The next one, my wife hates this term, and I don't love it, but you do you, right? Right? <laughs> you do you. Well, that and that's what culture's been telling us. Just do you, right? And we get all of our different identity from this, and we, you know, get all of our values from just doing you. Man, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I need someone so much bigger than myself rescuing me. Another one, there are many paths to heaven. Look, God's offer of salvation goes out to us all, but there is one way, truth, and life. Amen. That's all in Jesus. That's why spiritualism and mysticism is so dangerous. That's why it's so dangerous to say, "I'm just spiritual." but who are you following? There's only one way to eternal life and to heaven. Uh, heaven. Another one you'll find on YouTube is that God wants everyone to have mansions and a huge garage full of sports cars, right? Um, man, not truth, not truth. Another one. Confession and repentance aren't important. You just approach God as if you'd never sinned. I don't think that's biblical. I don't think that's what the scriptures tell us to do. Can you imagine if that's what I did with my wife? Like, I hurt her greatly. And I just came home I'm like, what's up, babe? What's for dinner? Like, like, it's not gonna go well, right? There's gotta be confession and repentance when I break a relationship. And so we have to be so careful in the same way with God. And this is why we need each other, because we keep each other in the truth. I, I, I wanna say something boldly here, okay? All right, ready? If the gospel writers and the early church fathers and Martin Luther... And Charles Spurgeon missed it. There's a really good chance that the guy in his mom's garage on YouTube sitting behind a desk with a shirt and tie. And thankfully we can't see this part, but in his boxers behind the desk, making some video doesn't have new divine special revelation. You have to be so careful it's all over the place and it's out to kill our souls. It's out to get us at each other. It's out to destroy what God's doing. It's out to get us confused. Do you know what happens when somebody says, Jesus is coming back on this day and time and then we are all in on that and it doesn't happen? Man, faith falls apart. Families fall apart. What about the kids of the person who bought that? And now they're going, well, can I take God seriously at all? We have to just be so careful, guard our hearts. So let me ask you a couple of diagnostic questions and then we'll keep going. The first one is this. Am I disconnected from the power of Jesus? Am I disconnected from the head? Am I trying to do it on my own or do I think I know it all? Do I think others don't know what they're talking about because I have this experience and this knowledge that's special to me? Oh, we gotta be so careful. And again, I pray this is coming out in a humble heart. Are you separated from God's people because of offense? You know, it's so hard. I get hurt too, man. I get hurt too. And I think if we could just begin to see one another as, as even at our worst, God's agents of making us more like him. Maybe that's just the way we need to look at that person that comes to church that we just can't stand right now. Okay, that is God's agent to make me more like Jesus right now. Maybe that's the call for you today. To, to allow your heart to be reconnected Humble, like Christ. It's hard. It's really, really hard. Trust me, I wouldn't be doing this anymore if it wasn't for the sustaining grace and call of God on my life and our family to keep going because it's hard. But it's so worth it. I sat in a room in our community group on Wednesday night at Lisey and Etter's house, and man, we laughed and we shared and we wept together. And we, I mean, like, who doesn't need that? We need this. We need this. Are you separated from God's people because you fell down a rabbit hole? It's time to reconnect to the head and to the body. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 20, since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to this world, do you submit to its rules? In other words, he's saying, all right, you are to view yourself as having been crucified with Christ, and now you're trying to make all these rules and keep all these rules. He says, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. What's that about? Well, there were laws and rules that you could and couldn't handle and taste and touch certain things. Now listen, here's what's what's tricky and here's where some of you are nervous today, okay? It's like, but wait, Doug, aren't there things we shouldn't handle, taste, and touch? Yes. But why should you not handle taste and touch those things? And that's what Paul's going to keep taking us here and deeper. He says, these rules which have to do with, uh, excuse me, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use are based on merely human commands and teaching. He's going, you guys don't get distracted by things that are just human. This is not the wisdom of God. This is not the heart of God. Don't get distracted and, and try to save yourself. And I love the end of this next verse, verse 23. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom. So let me pause there and say look if you and I get duped once in a while and we start to believe something Jesus was supposed to come back this day or you know I'm sinless or like Paul uh, says look they have an appearance of wisdom so don't beat yourself up if you've been deceived but let's get reconnected to Jesus and to his people right okay keep going with their self-imposed worship their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body but and this is a powerful statement you ready Think about anything you're trying to do to save yourself. Any rule you've set up to save yourself from your sin. You ready? They lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. In other words, those rules, they're there for a purpose. We need rules. All the parents in the room said amen. All the teachers in the room said amen. We need rules. But are we trying to save ourselves by these rules? Everybody say outward restriction. First, inward transformation. That's what we're talking about here. And the Pharisees in Jesus' day would build a rule around a rule. My wife has had this rule for many years in our home, and it's a good rule, and it's an important rule. It's put your shoes away. Put your stinking shoes away, right? When you come in, kids, put your shoes away. And she has a saying, put your shoes in the basket before mama can ask it, right? Let's get those shoes away. But imagine if we just kind of felt like, you know, this isn't really working. So we just took the kids' shoes away. You never get shoes, ever, right? That's building a rule around a rule. And that's what the Pharisees would do. And that's sometimes what we do, isn't it? I'm going to build this little rule in here. And I'm going to make sure that it's that thing that becomes my hope. And Paul's saying, no, all of our hope is in Jesus. So Paul's warned us about legalism and mysticism. And he's told us that Jesus died to save us. But where does right and wrong come in then? How do we approach this? Let's look at Colossians chapter three, verse one, the very next verse. Since then you have been raised with Christ. That's where we stop right there for a minute. We've been raised with Christ. We were trying to raise ourselves with works. We were trying to do a bunch of good stuff that would raise us up. We've been raised with Christ. That's the starting point. So is there still right and wrong? Oh yeah, there's still right and wrong but why do we not do the wrong? Why do we not handle taste and touch? Is it to somehow earn our relationship with God or is it because we are already raised with him? See, that's the difference. So the image comes up on the screen, right? And I can watch it and go, oh, wow, that just took me down a really broken path and it will lead to pain and heartache, right? And that's why God says, don't watch it, right? He loves us. He wants to bless us. Or I can look at it and say, okay, I shouldn't look at that because if I look at it, maybe God won't want me anymore. Or God won't desire a relationship with me anymore. Or I can look at it and, and turn away, turn the TV off, change the channel because I'm already his. I'm his kid. I'm raised with him. There's a new Doug Jansen raised to life with Jesus Christ. And I think sometimes we think, okay, I want to be raised with him one day. We are already raised with him. Right? We're already in that place. That's who we are. That's our position before God. Everybody say outward restriction versus inward transformation. Is there any way that you have an outward restriction in place as opposed to saying, oh, Jesus, transform me inwardly, inside out? That's what works. That's what changes us. It's about nearness with Jesus, closeness with him. That's what makes all the difference. Then he says this, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. So the old Doug's dead. There's a new Doug. And I'm hidden with Christ in God, which is beautiful because sometimes I sin. And when I sin, I need my life to still be hidden with him, don't I? Uh, Tom Constable says this, our life in Christ is as safe as a deposit locked in a bank vault. Have you thought about your salvation like that recently? Oh no, I I, I made a mistake or I I, I sinned. Forget the mistake. I, I flat out sinned. I did something I shouldn't have done. But wait, my life is hidden with Christ, safe like a deposit box in a bank vault. I am his. I'm his, I'm his, I'm his, I'm his, I'm his. Not because of performance, but I'm his. But let's get up and do the right thing by the grace of God because, man, that stupid stuff's so broken. And I don't want to disconnect from the head or the body. And I don't want to hurt anyone in my life that I love. And I don't want to hurt myself because that's what sin always does. And then he goes on. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Jesus is coming back, everybody. We don't know that day or hour, but he is coming back. And when he does, we will appear with glory in glory with him, and then Paul says something that seems like it's going to go against everything we talked about so far. You're going, Doug, we spent the last 25 minutes talking about how our hope is not in rules, and our hope is not in laws, and then look what Paul gives us. Look at what he says, Colossians 3:5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly na- nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to, everybody say used to. Everybody say used to. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived past tense. That's who you were, Doug. This is what you did. You gave in to all these things. Maybe I was trying to enjoy them or maybe I was trying to fight them off and restrain myself with those outward things goes on, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self, past tense, right? Old me with its practices, and I have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Wait, why do we have this list of things we shouldn't do and should do if rules aren't our hope? It's all about the question that you ask. And here's the question. Am I trying to save myself or live out my saved life? Am I trying to attain salvation or live out my salvation? Because we're called to live out our salvation. We can't save ourselves or rescue ourselves, but we are called to live out the things that God's been doing in our lives. Am I trying to receive salvation or do this because I'm saved? Everybody say it like you mean it, right? Outward transform or excuse me, let me say it like I mean it. Outward restriction versus inward transformation. It's old you versus new you. It's depraved you versus saved you. This is the grace of God. And so he wants us to walk in freedom. He doesn't want us to be led astray. He doesn't want us to try to save ourselves. He doesn't want us uh, caught in all kinds of spiritualism and mysticism and, and arrogance and pride. It's a humble heart that comes and says, Jesus, change me from the inside out. Transform my life. to be near you and that's the key i've got to be near him that's why this matters right because when i'm here even though yeah i'll get hurt at times and even though yeah there'll be a conflict at times it's here with the gathered people of god that jesus does some really beautiful things in our lives and then it's driving home connecting with the lord it's hanging out with friends you know it's cool um i've told you in the past that god gave me a gift in college. It was a professor who taught me this concept of staying connected to Jesus all throughout my day, okay? If you've come to this church, you've heard me do so many series. They plugged in. We've done so many different series about this over the years, right? But I didn't realize what a gift it was until this past Thursday because I kind of just thought this is what all Christians do because I was taught it in college. But I'm in a room full of pastors Thursday. And this pastor, and they're all great guys. They love Jesus, right? But one of them goes, hey, Um, so we try to have a time with God, right? We try to set a time, you know, moments to be with him, and we open our Bibles, and we pray, and we spend time with God. He said, but what do you guys think about, like, staying connected to Jesus all throughout the day? Like, almost like it was a new thing. I was like, oh, my gosh, what an amazing gift God gave me in that professor 20-something years ago to teach me that in that moment, that the Lord wants us near him all the time, and that's the key to a, a relationship with him, right? If if I talk to my wife only in the mornings at 7.30 a.m., it's gonna go bad because I hate mornings and and I'm not gonna have connection with her throughout the rest of the day, right? That connection point and that nearness, that's the inward transformation. It's all, Jesus, I need you, I need you. Jesus, I'm tempted, help me not fall. Jesus, I fell, lift me back up, connect me back to the head, connect me back to the power, connect me back to your people, it's all about that intimate relationship with Jesus he wants to hear from you as you're driving as you're on the softball field as you're in the gym he wants to hear from you as you're at work it's that connection Jesus change me transform me, make me more like you and sometimes some of the answers to the prayer of that uh, those prayers are difficulty and hardship and sometimes it's just a great gift of God where he lifts great weight off of us and he makes us new Outward transformation. I'm sorry, I'm going to keep messing that up all day. Outward restriction versus inward transformation. Outward restriction does not work. It has no power controlling sexual or sensual indulgences is what Paul says. But there is an inward transformation that makes us new. And Jesus came to set us free. So legalism, mysticism, false teaching, enslaved to our sin. We look legalism in the face and we say, oh, no, I am saved, crucified with Christ and raised by grace. I'm his. We look at mysticism and spiritualism and say, no, I'm going to guard my heart from those rabbit holes. I'm going to be so careful that I don't end up in all kinds of crazy places. I'm going to stay connected to the head Jesus. I'm going to be uh, connected to him as I walk through my day. I'm going to spend time with him morning, noon, or night, or whenever that set-aside time is. And, man, those moments are going to be what transforms me and makes me the person that he's called me to be. Remember, there's an old you and a new you. There's a past, a past tense and a present and a future, right? In the past tense, the old us was a slave to the sin in our lives, but not anymore. And yet when we fall, he says, I want you to view your salvation as secure as that bank vault closed up. You are mine. So have you disconnected yourself from the power of Jesus? Have you disconnected yourself from the people of God for offense or some rabbit hole walking back close to him? is the key to everything. Next week, we're going to continue our series. We're going to get into some big stuff next week. Uh, I hope you'll come back and bring some people with you as we really talk about some countercultural things and and look to what God has to say about it. But man, understanding what we've talked about today, which by the way, I'm happy to continue the conversation. If you're here today going, Doug, you talked about a lot and there was just a whole lot going on there and I'm I'm still confused. Let's talk. Let's hang out after or grab coffee sometime and let's work through it. But man, I just hope you're challenged but inspired by the freedom that Jesus has purchased for you today because I think it causes us to rest in him and stop to perform, perform, perform. I think it causes us to protect our hearts and minds from all the rabbit holes that we could potentially fall in and allows us to walk in the true freedom as we're near our great savior throughout our day. Friday night, our family traveled out to Shelter Island to watch my daughter play basketball. And 26 seconds into the game, she jumped and took a, a three-point shot and came down with her ankle like this. And she got up and and got up, carried off to the side. And we were kind of like across the way, like thumbs up, thumbs down. And she's kind of like going, eh, like, I don't right, that's not helpful. And um, eventually she goes back in for a minute, comes back out. She wakes up yesterday morning and her ankle's all blown up and everything. And so we go to the um, city MD. My wife takes her and she's got a broken ankle now. And there's a piece of the bone that literally broke off, and also with it, some ligaments came off. And uh, she made the three, though, so we're good. So, But I think about the fact that now my poor daughter sitting in the back there with her leg up and her crutches next to her is going to have to spend the next probably six to eight weeks figuring out how that bone and that ligament are going to reattach, right? They've been pulled away. They've been broken away. And now it's time for a cast and it's time for a rest and it's time for elevation and all the medications and all the other things she's going to need so that that leg and that ligament, those ligaments and that bone can reconnect. And maybe you or I have been disconnected from the head, disconnected from Jesus, trying to do it on our own, trying to be spiritual. It's time to reconnect. It's time to reset that we would walk with him. Maybe we've been pulled away from the people of God because of offense or because we went down a rabbit hole or busyness or all the other billion things that could happen. man, it's time to reconnect. It's time to reset. It's time to allow the Lord to bring us back together close again, because that's where he does his greatest work. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope today you'll put your trust in him. You'll say, I'm not happy or satisfied just being spiritual. And that's the funny thing about a shadow in the real, isn't it? A shadow will never satisfy us. The real does. I got a shadow of like a sandwich, right, against the wall. That's not going to satisfy you, right? The the shadow of a friend coming around the corner. Like you're going to sit there and talk to the shadow and have a conversation. But it's in the real, right? And I think we always think like I'm going to get joy and fulfillment and pleasure in the shadow. But no, all that's made real in the true relationship, in the true connection, in the true person. And that's Jesus, the real. And so if you want a relationship with him today, I encourage you to pray with me in just a minute. But everybody, let's remember, Jesus set us free. Legalism, mysticism, false teaching, self-reliance, trying to earn our salvation, even from the very sin that we so hate and keep going back to. came to set us free. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, God, for the depths of your word, God. I thank you that your word is not surfacey. Your word goes deep. And it meets us right where we are in life. And I thank you for that, God. And I thank you, God, that, hey, sometimes sermons are tough. Sometimes it's hard to hear. Sometimes we we talk about some difficult things, but at the end of the day, God, we want to be faithful to your word and we know you use it, God. And so I pray again that it's just come out in humility today and I pray that you use it as necessary, Lord. So if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus or watching online and you just need to approach God in prayer, is there just any way that you need to go, Jesus, I'm disconnected from you. Please reconnect me closely with you. Please reconnect me closely with you. I've been disconnected from the power of Jesus. I've been trying to save myself or I've been uh, just cocky and arrogant, thinking I know better because of some spiritual experience or spiritualism or I've fallen deep into a pit and I need your help, God. Maybe the second question you pray about is, God, I've been disconnected from your people. I was hurt or I got into some kind of real deception, watching something online or looking at some teaching or just got off course, and Jesus, would you reconnect me? And lastly, it's just Jesus, I, I, I really want to live for you, God. I really want to live for you. Would you help me be close to you? So that that outward restriction turns into inward transformation, and that what I can do versus what Jesus has done infiltrates every area of my life. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, I'd love for you to pray with me now. You could just pray something like this. Jesus, thank you so much for dying in my place thank you for your forgiveness, for your mercy, for your love, for your grace. It is all about you, and it's all about what you can do. And so Jesus, save me, rescue me. I cannot save myself, and I want to know you. I want to know the real. I don't want to look at a shadow. I don't want to interact with a shadow. I want to know Jesus as my Savior and my God. Thank you for this gift. your name I pray.